0: Today's message is entitled Praise. Praise. So today's message is entitled Praise. And if I can get you all to stand for the reading of the Word, this is something that we've been doing, standing for the reading of the Word. And this is number 11 in Metamorphosis, the way of transformation. So I'm going to read two texts to you. First one comes from... Psalm 84 verse 4, Psalm 84 verse 4, and Psalm 84 verse 4, uh, it was part of what we read last week, Psalm 84. So let me read this verse to you. How blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you, Selah. How blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you, Selah. Well, I should hear a hallelujah or praise the Lord after that uh, verse. Can we say hallelujah? hallelujah. Praise, the praise the Lord. Now, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21 through 23 reads, After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Let's put our hands on our hearts and we'll pray. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart. Transform my life. In your precious name, amen. You may be seated. So the theme this morning is this. Praise transforms the atmosphere, welcoming God's heavenly kingdom on earth. Praise transforms the atmosphere, welcoming God's heavenly kingdom on earth. So today what we're going to do is we're going to explore the subject of praise. According to scripture, what is praise and why is it so powerful? Near the end of the message, uh, I want to share with you another vision the Lord gave me uh, because it relates to this subject. So I'll be sharing near the end of of the message uh, another vision that the Lord gave me and it ties into the ones from the weeks before. So today specifically we're going to focus on 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and I think we'll be here for a few weeks. In this story, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, in the story of Jehoshaphat and his enemies, we discover what praise is and why it's important. Jehoshaphat and the Jews came up with a bizarre strategy to put the praises at the head of the army. I think all of you would have heard of this strategy and what he did. It's it's famous with God's people. Worshippers and singers have no weapons. At least that's what we would think if we were looking in the visible realm. God, though, sees praise as his spearhead. Praise pioneers the path preparing the way for God to march into the battlefield. As the people praise, the Lord sets ambushes against the multitude that had come to invade Judah. The enemy, uh, in the end, the enemy ends up destroying themselves. They, They fight against one another. And also, in the end, the Jews were ecstatic with joy at the abundance of spoils they claimed. They called the valley that almost annihilated them, this valley where the enemy was at, and it was a a huge host, massive host. They called it the valley of blessing. Berecha, berecha. So what almost meant the valley of their own death and destruction became the valley of blessing, all because of praise. So I have two main points this morning. Well, there was going to be six, but I thought we need to do this over two weeks. That's how I felt the Lord leading me. And the first point is pursue the Lord, prepare your heart, and plant yourself. Pursue the Lord, prepare your heart, and plant yourself. Now in my notes I just have here, pursue the Lord and plant yourself. But as I was meditating on this this morning, I thought we need to add this, prepare your heart. And we're going to look, all this comes from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And so we're going to begin, uh, we, we looked at one, a uh, couple of verses there. We're going to uh, begin from verse one. verse 1. So we're going to read some more. And this, there's a fair bit here, but I, I want us to read this, see how they start. We'll see how much we'll read. 2 Chronicles chapter one, 20, verse 1. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Meunites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat is made up of two components. uh, Yeho, uh that comp- that's from uh, Yahweh, that's Yahweh, and then Shaphat is judgment. So it means Yahweh judges. And the idea of judgment in the Hebrew Scriptures is not what we commonly think of as judgment. It means that God rescues and saves. He rescues and saves His people, and in order to rescue his, and save His people, He has to... Uh, Cause the enemy to flee. He has to deal with the enemy. And we see that happening in this passage. So verse 2, Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazizan Tamar, that is, Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he had proclaimed a fast for all Judah, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord, to seek the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So how are they uh, responding to this? How are they handling this stress? And this is a great amount of stress. We see an army that is too fast for Jehoshaphat to defeat. What does he do? How does he react to all of this? Well, we see that they pursue the Lord and they proclaim the fast. And then later what we see the wording over and over in this passage is that they stood, they planted themselves, they did not allow the enemy's attack to cause them to flee or be moved. They stood their ground. One of the enemy's age-old tactics is to push you out of the place the Lord has planted you. And this is what the Moabites and the Ammonites were attempting to do, to push the Jews out of their inheritance, the land of Judah. The enemy comes to you like a pack of wolves, and he wants you to retreat and run. And we see that even in the beginning in the garden, the enemy is trying to push Adam and Eve out of the garden. Again, they have to be expelled from the garden because of their sin. But here's this holy inheritance. And the enemy is trying to get them out of the place that they were to be planted. Now, how can you overcome this? How can you overcome this age-old tactic of the enemy trying to push you out of the place the Lord has planted you. Yeah, cool. Let's look at this. Stress in our lives causes us to react rather than respond. I've been talking about this for a few weeks now. Stress causes us to react rather than respond. But God has a better way, and it's responding with His wisdom. When difficult situations come, we either enter in, we can either enter into a flight or fight mode, a fight or flight mode. Let me put it like that. That's the classic way it's said. So, when difficult situations come, we can either fight or flee. Either fight in the flesh or flee. And today there's a lot of this fighting in the flesh going on and uh, one uh, Gideon Gideon shared with me a video from Jordan Peterson this week in which he says this got this has to stop all this fighting between the Republicans and the Democrats and everybody thinks that they are God's chosen and they're fighting against one another and it's it's it's, it's interesting because in this video which is called a wing and a prayer Jordan Peterson repents publicly before the Lord and before people, and he says, God, has, God please forgive me of my ignorance, my ag- arrogance and pride. And he comes, and, and he ends up praying the Lord's Prayer. It's a very interesting video, and it was just released. God has a better way than us fighting or fleeing, fighting in the flesh or fleeing. And God's way is for us to fervently pursue him. Amen. And this is what we see them doing in the beginning of Second Chronicles chapter 20. For Jehoshaphat and Judah, this meant they fasted and sought the Lord. Now, I've seen fasting done in the right way and the wrong way. And like I said last week, you can worship in the flesh or you can worship in the spirit. You can pray in the flesh or you pray in the spirit. You can even listen to preaching in the flesh or you can listen to it in the spirit. And by listening in the spirit means we take our our filters and lenses off of our eyes and we ask the Lord to give us his ears, his eyes. Well, it's the same way with fasting. You can fast in the flesh or you can fast in the spirit. But what's the whole goal of fasting? The whole goal of fasting is that we come to a place of submission to Jesus as our Lord. Not that we're trying to manipulate God and make him do what we want him to do. You cannot manipulate God but the whole goal of fasting is we come to a place of weakness and humility, saying, Lord, I need you. Help me, guide me. I got into a trap in my early young life where I was fasting so much that I thought if I fast so much that somehow I'd be able to heal more people, save more people, uh, the Lord had to, fasting is really important, but it's got to be done the right way. And I did fasting the right way much of the time, but then this extremism kicked in yeah. in me being a, a young zealot for the Lord. <laughs> and the, the Holy Spirit had to correct me. And he's good like that. He's, he's faithful like that. Well, what were they fasting for to seek the Lord? What was his wisdom? What did he want them to do? And through this fasting and prayer, they received prophetic insight. And we'll come back to this probably next week some more, but they received this prophetic insight. Now, let's read some more here. Verse 5, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said... Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built it, built in it. A sanctuary for your name saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade, When they came from Egypt, so they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Let's just stop there. Did you hear that last part? Because that's how the meeting started off. That was the song. That was the song that we were singing. That was like this verse. Can can I read it again? Because I, I didn't hear more, enough of a, a resounding right. amen. Second <laughs> Chronicles twenty twelve. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. This is one of those verses that is famous in all those who love the Lord. Here is this major stress that's coming at them. They could fight in the flesh, doing it in their own way. They could flee or run, or they can fervently pursue the Lord. And as they fervently pursue the Lord, Jehoshaphat says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And this is how you overcome fear. We talked about overcoming fear a few weeks ago, how to overcome fear. Well, the first point in overcoming fear, number one, was focus on the Father. Focus on the Father. Focus on His face. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. When we react in the flesh, we end up, getting our eyes off the Lord and trying to solve the problem ourselves, we make matters worse. But he has this wisdom, this prophetic insight to keep his eyes on the Lord. And then let's read verse 13. All the, men, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. So there was a standing all throughout this passage. You see a standing, a standing. Verse 14, then the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph. As he stood in the assembly, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Amen? Let, let's say that together because I want you to be engaged in the reading of the word. For the battle is not yours. But let's say it together. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Now, let me just pause here and say, just because the battle is the Lord's doesn't mean you do nothing and you drink a pina colada. <laughs> Lord, you do the battling. Because we see what they do is their response is to praise the Lord. And when they praise the Lord, the Lord fights the battle. Just like Ephesians tells us that we're to put on the full armor of God. So there there is a battle, but it's the Lord's battle. It's not our battle, it's his battle. And that's what we need to keep on remembering. Now, here's the prophetic insight, verse 16. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up from the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge of the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm. And see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Here we see them planting themselves, not fleeing, not fighting in their flesh, not falling into that stress reaction. But we see that they plant themselves, and they're they're not going to be moved And they're going to see the salvation of the Lord. Verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshipped before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord and the the God of Israel with a very loud voice. I need to read that again. Verse 19, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Then some of the Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. How did they praise the Lord? Sitting down? (laughs) No, they stood up. Why? Because they were taking a stand. This is why it's so important for us to stand up when we praise the Lord. I'm not saying if you sit down, you're disobedient to God, but the posture is quite important. Some people may have just had a heart attack and they need to sit down, but the rest of us who didn't have a heart attack, we should stand, right? And they stood and they praised the Lord. And how did they praise the Lord? With a very loud voice. In other words, they didn't hold anything back. It's important because our praise on earth affects the atmosphere, the invisible realm. And so here they took their stand, they planted themselves, and they were saying, we will not be moved. And in any situation you're going through, your family stresses, your job stresses, even our church stresses, we need to stand our ground and praise the Lord. That's why, that's our purpose as a church is to praise the Lord. That's our purpose is to ever be praising Him. As we read about in the opening uh, verse there, Psalm 84, verse 4. They are ever praising you. Those who dwell in the house of God, how blessed they are. They are ever praising you. Well, verse 20. Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa, as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. It was not a long song. It didn't have lots of lyrics. It was a short song. The first line is, Hodu la Adonai." It's give thanks to the Lord. For His love, the love there is the chesed. That's the word in Hebrew, the chesed. The loyal, kind love. Of God, and it's forever. It's forever. Le Olam. And sometimes that New York just pops out there. (laughs) It 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 wasn't an impressive song as far as songs and lines go, but it was a powerful song. It's still here. Verse 22, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes. This is what we started with. The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. And this is then where we see this great, great spoils, abundant blessing. Now, our enemy is not physical anymore. The enemy we're talking about is Satan and the fallen angels, the demonic forces of darkness. That's the enemy that we defeat through praise. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. This is what happens when we praise the Lord. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Berecha, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the Valley of Berecha to this day. So here, Berecha has to do with the blessing and also blessing the Lord, God's blessing as well as us blessing the Lord. So like I was saying before, over and over in this passage is a theme of Standing. And this is where I would see that Paul got his whole message of standing in Ephesians 6, that we need to stand with the full armor of God. The the Jews knew that this land was their inheritance and they firmly planted themselves. The enemy did not move them. So know where the Lord has planted you and pursue him. Know where he's planted you and make sure you pursue him seek him today the church is running here and there and sadly we're like a chicken running around without a head now have you heard of Mike the headless chicken how long can a chicken run around without a head well this is this is documented you can look it up on the internet 18 months it's Mike the Headless Chicken. Look it up. I'll make sure I got Mike the Headless Chicken. He lived 18 months without a head. The owner tried to, I guess, cook the chicken. He refused to die. You get there's pictures, it's from it's from like 1940s. There's pictures and everything of it. And you got this, this chicken without a head lived for 18 months. Now, usually a chicken without a head runs around for a few, uh, a few seconds and then dies. It's because they're, uh, they're operating out of the, uh, the nervous system of their spine. They're... But here is this one chicken running around without a head for 18 months. Now, here's what we have to watch out for as a church. Our head is Jesus. And the only way we reconnect with him, or the only way we connect with the head, is by pursuing him, spending time in his presence, listening to him. He should be the one who's calling the shots in our lives, he's the Lord over our bodies and he should be the one who's leading us as a church, and he is. It's, time, as, it's time for the body of Christ as a whole to reconnect with our head Jesus and not be moved. Reconnect with our head Jesus. That's in a personal, intimate relationship and not be moved. This brings us to our second point, our last point. So the first point, it was uh, pursue the Lord, prepare your heart, and plant yourself. Oh, I need to talk just a few seconds on preparing your heart. One of the reasons why when we come together and gather like this, often people are not praising the Lord is because they have not prepared their heart. And this is something you need to do uh, the night before, the day before. I mean, we should always be living in this, preparing our hearts so that when we come to the house of God, we are ready to praise the Lord. And you should see your little journey to come to church as, a, as like a pilgrimage. What we do as a family is we start praying, as we get close. We pray when we start off the journey we may li- and we listen to some worship music. And then near the end of the journey, we start praying one by one. And uh, lately, Allison and Eva have been coming with Gideon. <laughs> so, but when, we were, when we're all together, as a family, Valerie comes with us, we'll go around and we'll all be praying. Amen. And it's, it's all about preparing our hearts, praying for one another. So preparing your heart is so important to praising God. You're asking, God, wash me, God, cleanse me, give me a pure heart. Purify my eyes so I can praise you in holy attire, so to speak. So this brings us to the second last point is raise a voice of praise and raise a loud voice of praise. Raise a bold voice of praise. So after they pursued the Lord, they prepared their hearts, they planted themselves. We see that they... Raise the voice of praise. And at this point, as we were looking before, we see the Jews' counterintuitive strategy. Because why would you put praisers with no weapons in front of the army? It makes no natural sense. It would be a recipe for a slaughter. But Jehoshaphat saw, and the people saw, that praise is more powerful than weapons, and that praise is the real weapon. And so what is happening as they are praising? It's like the Lord is setting off bombs here and there, setting ambushes against the enemy, and the enemy is destroying themselves. The Jews fight by praising God, and this is how we fight today. And this is why when we gather, it's so important that we lift up Praise to the Lord. Something is happening powerfully. But it's sad when God's people don't have this revelation where we kind of sit down with our arms crossed like it's a funeral, and we're saying, move me, God. Try to move me. I just dare you to budge me and move me. See what you can do. And God just walks away from people like that. There is a time to sit and soak. Sometimes you need to sit and rest. But that's part of the, the preparation. Right? We have a window of opportunity when we gather. This is when we need to stand and raise our voice and let our, our voices be heard. Yep. And uh, I think Victoria said, if, I got it, if I've got it right, that... She knew somebody around here, and on Sunday morning, they lifted up the window, opened up the window to listen to the worship. You know, people here, it's not just for ourselves. People all around this community, everybody in the park, they hear the worship. And it's a good testimony. Let's all be a part of that. What is praise? According to scripture, what is praise? The main word is halal, which those of you who are studying Hebrew, it's hey, lamed, lamed, three letters, halal, hey, lamed, lamed. Again, it sounds like an Arab word because they're sister languages, uh, but this is the Hebrew word for praise, halal. It means two specific things. One, to shine and the other to praise in the hebrew mind to praise is to cause god to shine on the earth he shines in the heaven he shines in the heavens and by praising him heaven shines on earth halal further means to admire exclaim and boast So it's used for in Scripture for people admiring a woman and her beauty or admiring a man and his beauty. But here we're talking about the beauty of the Lord. So when you're praising God, what you're doing is you're admiring and you're exclaiming Him. You are revealing who He is. You are boasting in Him rather than your own beauty or strength. You're seeing Him. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And when our eyes are on Him, we see His beauty, we see His goodness, we see His love, we see His hesed. We're full of thanksgiving for who He is and all that He's done. And this is like we're shining the light on God, and then He is shining in our atmosphere. Praise shines the spotlight on God rather than yourself. So when you want to get your eyes off yourself, you want to get the light off yourself, and you want to put it on Him. And this is the type of praise that changes the atmosphere, and it fights the enemy. Well, from halal comes another famous Hebrew word, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And hallelujah, has two components. The first is hallelu. And when you hear that ooh sound at the end, it's the imperative. Often in Hebrew it's the imperative. And here it is, the imperative. In other words, saying hallelu is it's an exhortation to praise. This is the imperative of praise. In other words, it is exhorting yourself and others to praise. So when I say hallelujah, I am not only, I'm exhorting myself, my soul, to praise. I'm also exhorting everybody to praise the Lord. It's not just your own personal uh, praise to God. It's actually an exhortation. Hallelujah. And it's, it's praise. It's a command praise. A command to praise. And then the next part is Yah. And Yah is the contracted form of Yahweh. But it also, uh, oh, I skipped there. It is the contracted form of Yahweh, Yah. And Yahweh is God's covenantal and personal name. Yahweh is God's covenantal and personal name. So what we're saying is praise Yah, praise Yahweh, praise the Lord. Because Yahweh is translated as the Lord in scripture. So when we say hallelujah, We're speaking to our souls. We are speaking to the people around us. It's like preaching the gospel. It is preaching the gospel. It's the good news. But we're also speaking to the whole atmosphere of angels and demons. And we're telling them to praise the Lord. And this is why when they hear hallelujah coming out of a pure, sincere heart, the demons tremble cuz the demons do not want to hear praise the lord Absolutely. they don't want to praise the lord and so it's like a it's like an ultrasonic sound in which they would put their fingers in their ears and run because that that screech of the sound hurts their ears and causes them to flee If we're not doing it with the right heart, then, of course, we're not tricking anybody. But when you do it from a pure heart, it has power. It means you are praising Yahweh, but it also means you're telling everyone and everything to praise Yahweh. You are calling both the angels and demons to praise Yahweh. So when you praise the Lord, it attracts the angels to come and to praise with you. It also causes the enemy to retract like a dog whistle. Ah! Oh, oh, oh! And sometimes at first, they start to manifest themselves. And if you feel uncomfortable in worship, you need to say, is there any darkness in me? Does the enemy have any foothold in my life? Is there some type of bitterness or unforgiveness or unconfessed sin that I have that I feel uncomfortable in worship, like the devil feels uncomfortable in worship, that I don't even want to press in and come in? Yeah, Often it's unforgiveness. If there's anything, that's where you say, Lord, deliver me from evil, because that's not who I am as God's saved creation. Of course, as you know, the demons hate praising God. So if you do it out of a pure heart, it causes the enemy to flee. And the devil hates light. And the devil hates when you shine the light, halal, on the Lord. Praise is like light. It transforms the atmosphere around you and causes the enemy confusion. When the enemy hears praise, like I said before, it's like an ultrasonic sound wave causing him to tremble and run. Well, this leads me to the end. And may we all cry out to God like little Joshua, right? (laughs) Amen. So this leads me to another vision the Lord gave me. And I'm going to read it without... Comment. I'm just going to read what the Lord showed me and what the Lord spoke to me in this vision. And this was on Monday. Then I looked and I saw again people, people singing, dancing, laughing, and praising God. I asked the Lord, who are these people? He said, these are my people on earth. They are always praising me. My joy is within them and that is their strength. I'm going to pause right here because in the vision that I shared last week and the week before, I saw a people praising the Lord, laughing and dancing, and I asked the Lord who they are, and he said, those are the ones who have finished the race, they've run the course, and they're full of joy. But this time, he showed me something similar, and I asked, who are these people? And he says, these are my people on earth. They are always praising me. My joy is within them, and that is their strength. This is how they fight their battles. They fight through praise. They are my remnant people. They know praise is more powerful than protest and that prayer is more powerful than petitions. These people, my people, look to me and me alone for their joy and strength. They are faithful and loyal people. They are like Ruth rather than Orpah. Where you go, they will go. Where you stay, they will stay. My people are those who seek my face, not the news for direction. I am their shepherd, their guide, and their comfort. What's happening on earth right now is all about my people. I am revealing hearts and separating the wheat from the chaff. And I know it's painful for my servants because you believe for the best for each one. But I must do this separating work. I did it at creation, and I did it through John the Baptist. Religion, man's religion, will not stand. It is like chaff that is blown away by the wind. Man's zeal will not bring about the righteousness I desire. Only the cross can do that. My kingdom is the only thing that can stand in these end times. As the Holy Spirit speaks to me, I feel a deep peace and satisfaction. I feel at rest. I didn't feel like that before the Lord began opening my eyes before this vision. I felt quite distressed. Then I looked and I saw people digging. They had shovels and picks. One jumped up and excited and exclaimed, I found gold. Another leapt and said, I found water. And yet another said, I found a lost soul, one locked in the rubble. The Lord said to me, my people must come back to the book and seek my ancient wisdom, the ancient ways that Jeremiah prophesied. There in the ancient ways, the eternal ways is gold. Like Isaac, as they re-dig the wells, they will discover the water their spiritual fathers drank from. And as they seek, they will also find the lost souls, those trapped in the rubble of this world's chaos. Amen. Amen. That's one of the latest visions that I had. Let's all stand, and we are going to... Put this in practice. Now, there's more to this message on praising the Lord. So this is to be continued. But now I want us to, before we come around the communion communion table, I want us to practice. Practice praising the Lord. Can we do that? Let's, uh, Anna, if you can come forward. I'm going to pray and we... We're going to lift up our voice and praise the Lord. And then we're going to come around the communion table. So, Lord, here we are. Give us deep roots, Lord, so we're not moved. When the enemy comes and he roars like a lion. We want our feet planted in you. And right now, we want to prepare our hearts. If there's anything within us that is not right, that is displeasing to you, would you remove it, Lord? Wash us, cleanse us. And we come to you with a seeking heart, pursuing you. We want you, Lord. You've been revealing to us that your people are people who praise you. They're ever praising you. This is how they fight their battles. They are faithful people, a loyal people. They love you with all their hearts. And they are people that are digging for the gold. They're digging for the wells of living water. Right now, we want to take some time And we want to put our eyes on you. We want to put our eyes on you, Lord. We want your strategy. We know that you've already revealed this strategy to us. It's not the first time we've meditated on it. So, Lord, we come to praise you. As Anna leads us, I want to encourage you, lift up your hands, raise your voice. We'll do this for about five minutes, and then we'll come come around the communion table.